Hello, and welcome to Agents of Nonprofit. My name is Alexander Lapa, but please call me Alex. And I'm here to talk to everyday superheroes helping nonprofits using technology. Today, I'm joined by guest Matt Frank from Blackthorn. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, Alex. Great to be here. So for those who don't know you very well, could you just give a brief introduction to who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, my name is Matt Frank. I am the Director of Technology Evangelism and Product Marketing, which I know is a mouthful, uh, over at Blackthorn.io. And my whole role is about creating a standard of excellence in the spaces that we work in and in the industries that we work in, and then helping to build up an ecosystem of products and services to help meet uh, our customers' needs, which sounds a little bit esoteric, and but it's a lot of fun to do. So I'm constantly engaging with customers, engaging with our market space, and just really getting to have meaningful conversations with nonprofits, which is one of my absolute favorite things to do. So what does a director of technology evangelism do? Uh, to put it simply, I take the gospel of Blackthorn and I expose it to the world and make sure that people know that, hey, we're here, we can help you meet certain use cases, evolve your technology apparatus, and sort of meet the needs of that modern nonprofit, that, that term that we talk about all the time, uh, but meet the needs of a modern nonprofit in a really meaningful and impactful way. So as I said previously, it's creating a level of excellence in the conversation and showing a customer the different technology that exists that can help them not only meet it, but exceed that level of excellence for their organization and help them be better in service to their members, their donors, or their constituents. How did you get started working with Blackthorn? So I've been working in the Salesforce ecosystem for the better part of a decade, and I've worked primarily on the ISV side, a little bit of consulting as well. And over the years, I got to know Chris Fetterspiel, our CEO, and I had had a few colleagues from different organizations come to work at Blackthorn, which intrigued me a bit. So I looked them up. I sent a message to Chris and said, hey, are you open to a conversation? And he said, absolutely. And the rest is history. So you sold yourself the position. <laughs> I, I did. I did. I I met with Chris and said, hey, you know, I have a few ideas for a role that might work for the organization. And he said, coincidentally, he was thinking that they, there was a need for some of that at Blackthorn. And it was just, it was the right time and the right people having the right conversation. It's not a title that you normally hear, at least not one that I've heard on, on a day-to-day -day basis. Would you akin it to a type of sales position as well? Like, or is this something that's exclusive to Blackthorn? Or do you have you noticed other people with a similar title at other organizations? So there, there's other people with a similar title. It's, it's certainly not something I came up with. It's not proprietary to Blackthorn in any way. But it's a growing growing trend um, in nonprofit technology, but also in the larger SaaS world to have somebody in place who you know builds that critical mass of support for a given technology and establishes a technical standard in the marketplace. Um, there's some great folks out there who do it. Salesforce has technology evangelists. Uh, there's a few friendly ISVs that we work with who have technology evangelists. And it's not really a sales role per se, because I'm not you know, logging opportunities and all of that inside of Salesforce. 
what I'm doing is helping to build that momentum and build that support so that if and when an opportunity becomes open and our sales team engages, there's a baseline of understanding between the consumer at the end of the day and the salesperson or the the vendor who's trying to have a conversation with them. So it's like a non-sale sales role. (laughs) It's one way of putting it. But there's definitely, there's a lot more marketing involved than there would be necessarily sales when it comes to it. It sounds like actually a lot of fun. You get to to cheerlead a little bit, um, but you don't have the, you're not boggled down by the the opportunities and the metrics of the sales team. So it's really more of a, maybe is, is it more of a free spirit type of position? That's a really interesting way of putting it, a free spirit position. Yes, it is. It's a lot of fun to do. Uh, you know, I have a background, I speaking and working as a solutions engineer, and I was in a success management, a number of customer facing roles. And this is a way that I can sort of still problem solve with customers and uh, have really unique and forward thinking conversations. But again, what as you stated, without the burden of logging opportunities and all the steps that come along with that, it's really building support, building a a baseline standard and showing people how they can incorporate that into their businesses, into their organizations, to the benefit of their members and donors. And then what kind of products does Blackthorn offer? So Blackthorn's an app company. We're a product partner at Salesforce. Everything that we do is native on Salesforce available through the app exchange. Uh, We have four and a half is the way I'll call it. Uh, different apps that are available today. So the big two are our payment processing and payment management app built on top of Salesforce. That's subscription billing, Stripe checkout, uh, payment terms, you know, processing, receiving, all of those sales documents and transaction management built into your Salesforce process, which is great. Let's you take donations a lot easier, uh, build it into grants, payouts, et cetera. And then the other big one that we have is our events management app uh, that's being used not only for nonprofits, but in the education space, healthcare and life sciences, and a few other spaces as well. It's everything from, you know, a CPD uh, or CEU accruing course that you want to offer to a constituent of yours, all the way through to multi-day, multi-track Uh, conferences and events with speakers, sponsors, virtual event management, all of that built in and on top of Salesforce. And we do it with an ethos of a return on event mindset, which is one of my favorite phrases, because it allows you to use events and conferences and courses as a way of enhancing data across your entire uh, data architecture or your entire data structure as an organization. So really enhancing everything else you have through engagement. Uh, There's a messaging app as well, and I totally realize I'm going down a laundry list. (laughs) A messaging and SMS app, again, built on top of Salesforce, uh, and a data compliance app, which is a really cool one. It's used across every industry, and it's really applicable to nonprofits, especially those who have older donors, because you can set up a loon algorithm to scan an email, scan an email attachment in any record on any object inside of Salesforce for any sort of patterned data that you don't want to be there for 
PCI compliance, HIPAA compliance, uh, really any compliance that you need to be certified for and maintain. And then it'll automatically mask or delete that data and send you an incident report uh, so that you can follow up accordingly. I said this is important to those organizations that have older donors because you know, I've seen it more times than I can count where someone just emails you an attachment that's an imprint or a picture of a credit card. And you don't want that in your Salesforce org. So you know, having these together uh, really helps create a, a suite of engagement apps that can help any nonprofit succeed. Now, the other thing is I forgot to mention, we, I said half, four and a half apps, right? That half is, it takes payment processing sort of to the next level with Field Service Lightning. It's a mobile payments application that allows you to accept payments, uh, create invoices, receipts, and sales documents in the field, and even take payments with chip and pin readers using Bluetooth connected to the mobile device that you have set up with Field Service Lightning. Uh, so that's really impactful for those organizations that you know want to take donations or payments in the field. So again, engagement apps that are designed to really delight and make the lives of Salesforce users and their constituents a lot easier. I want to deep dive into those uh, that laundry list, as you mentioned, of each of the services. But before we did that, uh, you mentioned a keyword along the way called Salesforce native app. Mm -hmm. I really want to draw people's attention to that because um, a native app is something that's built entirely on the Salesforce platform, as opposed to something external that Salesforce then has to integrate with. And that's, it's a key distinguishment between certain apps. In your opinion, then, have you noticed that is an important key factor when, when a nonprofit would consider using your products versus somebody else's? Oh, totally. Yeah, 100% it is. We work with a lot of different consultants and a lot of tech-savvy organizations, and they sort of go through a process of discovery and then uh, a process of defining which apps they need. And a lot of times they'll frame it or stage it in a couple different ways. It's, do I have something in my arsenal already or my toolkit that I can sort of adapt to meet the need uh, that I have as an organization? And that's great. But then if you don't have that already, it's the first thing I want to look at is a native application, which allows me to already use the data that I have in my CRM, use the security structure that I already have in place, my permission sets, you know, user permissions, all that stuff. Uh, allows me to utilize the SOC 2 compliance uh, that you need to be a really leading app exchange app uh, and ensure that it's just easier for my team to adopt it because they're using one system versus having to log into multiple places. And then if you're using an external identity provider, uh, having to build that in and API calls, and it's just a mess. The other, you know, that, that next stage is, okay, is there, if there's nothing built natively on Salesforce, is there something I can integrate? And we do see that sometimes where organizations take what's called a best in breed approach where they don't care or they're agnostic to whether it's native or not. But overwhelmingly, we do see that Salesforce nativity is a key factor in our evaluation as an application company and our measures towards success once we are installed in a customer's environment. And the reason why those four and a half apps were chosen was, I guess, yeah. uh, there, there are some things in Salesforce that Salesforce doesn't do very well. And, and payments and events are two of them. 
Was that the yeah. main reason that uh, Blackthorn exists, or was there like another motivating factor to to build these apps? So, sort of twofold there. Yes, there was white space for these on top of Salesforce. But if you were to you know go to the App Exchange and type in payment processing, you'd see any number of applications that come up. Same thing with events management. You'll see a few native ones pop up, but not really many. Most have connector apps, if anything, on the App Exchange, or there's uh, a middleware tool that's advertising a pre-built connector that they already have. So that's one side of it, right? There, that white space which exists. But the other side, and this is an ethos that we try to build into all of our apps, is that if you have to look at the documentation to, to use an application, we've built it too complicated. Uh, the UI maybe is off or there's too many steps to complete a process. And when we were looking at the app exchange, you know, evaluating that white space, really seeing where we can make a positive impact uh, in the Salesforce ecosystem, we found that while there may be some competitors, and that's a good thing for us as a product company to have those competitors, it was cumbersome to achieve just really basic goals with a lot of the common use cases we were seeing. So we wanted to, yes, build something that fit into the ecosystem well that Salesforce wasn't already doing or not doing to the degree that nonprofits needed, but we also wanted to build something that was just simple and delightful for users to adopt at the end of the day. Because when you're migrating over to Salesforce, and I'm sure you've seen this in your life in the Salesforce ecosystem, one of the biggest barriers that you have to face is adoption of the new tool. Uh, nonprofits have been fed this line for decades now that you need an all-in-one solution that can do everything all at once. And then maybe you can customize it, but you'll probably have to build workarounds which become institutionalized in your organization so that they become the standard process that you have to do. And adopting Salesforce allows you to change that, change your processes. But what tends to happen is you have people who are really firm in their roles and they've been doing things the same way for five, 10, 20, my experience, sometimes 30 plus years, and they don't want to do it. And one of the reasons is they don't feel like they just have to use the application that's going to help them succeed in their role, but they feel like they have to learn the entirety of Salesforce to be successful. So building an app or multiple apps that are super simple to use that you don't really have to look at the documentation to be successful with was key and important to us. And that's why we chose to build it on the app exchange so that when a nonprofit or an educational institution or anybody else decides that they want to do X on top of Salesforce, they can do it simply and minimize the friction from their longtime staff. If I understand correctly, you only work with Salesforce. Uh, that oh, is, yeah. you only build apps for Salesforce. Why Salesforce versus any other CRM? It's one of the best CRMs in the world for a nonprofit to adopt if they want to not just meet the needs of their constituents today or their mission today or even five years from now. It's the type of platform that you can build and grow upon so that you can meet needs that you don't even know exist a decade down the line. And allowing Salesforce to 
provide some of the basic services that you have to build out on other CRMs, like identity management, some of the really granular permissions that you can build out, gives Salesforce users a head start that some other tools just, you know, they, they don't provide. And we looked at Salesforce as a way of really kickstarting a digital migration or transformation process that an organization wants to take. And we can help accelerate that by building on that kickstart and really, you know, pushing it forward and, and snowballing that effect, which only helps them at the end of the day. It only helps an organization grow. I've noticed the same kind of trend where um, the larger the nonprofit gets, the more they need to shift away from a maybe a one-size-fits-all model where mm-hmm. it's a smaller uh, CRM. It does everything they need to do, but it doesn't really scale very well. It doesn't. They have to adapt their processes according to the CRM. They can't modify the CRM to their processes. Oh yeah. Versus towards Salesforce, where in some cases it, it could be the end result is you work your way up almost to Salesforce. And I'm I'm sure there's some you know uh, inconsistencies or situations where that's not the case, but generally I noticed that is the general trend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've seen that too, where you, you build your way up to it. You go from, you know, maybe a smattering of different applications to a industry or sub industry specific point solution that can do maybe 80% of what you wanted to do. And then you have to uh, adapt it or develop on top of it, but then you realize, oh my goodness, it's going to cost me a quarter million dollars to upgrade this point solution because I've already customized this one security feature or payment processing feature to meet my needs. And that's going to cost more than adopting a new system would. Um, And you look at Salesforce as this land of opportunity, which it absolutely is, but there's a double-edged sword to Salesforce, right? So you can do anything on it as a platform but you can also do anything on Salesforce as a platform. Uh, So when you do adopt it, when you do work up to it and you outgrow a lot of those point solutions or, you know, sometimes I call them lifestyle apps (laughs) that exist out there, it's good to work with a consultant, either full-time or part-time to really help an organization zero in on exactly what they're looking to get out of Salesforce as a platform and the surrounding ecosystem. Because otherwise, that world of possibilities can be overwhelming and you can really have paralysis by analysis, right? You can overanalyze the app exchange, overanalyze Salesforce. Um, and having that guiding hand, uh, whether it's from the Power of Us Hub or meeting people in the Trailblazer community can make a huge difference in adoption rates, success rates, and get the value, the true value out of adopting an enterprise tool like Salesforce. You speak of um, consultants. So I imagine Blackthorn works with partners as well. So yeah, I, I'm sure you're the, maybe I can call you the general of the army, but <laughs> as you're as a, you know, broadcasting this awesome message of, of what Blackthorn can do, but I imagine it must be to your advantage to work with certain partners to help further spread that message. How do you work with partners in general? So we have a whole alliances team uh, at Blackthorn. So we have people based in the United States, people based in Europe, people based in Australia for that coming soon. We manage currently Australia from the United States, but we have a whole team dedicated to bringing partners on board, helping them uh, really learn 
the ins and outs of our different applications and how to adapt them to the specific use cases of any organizations that we work with as mutual customers. And it's a really thriving ecosystem. We have dozens of consulting partners in North America. Uh, we have a few dozen in Europe, a growing number in APAC. And it's really delightful to be able to see how these organizations, which are looking at the long view of success for their customers, can then help guide them towards uh, an application that can grow with them, like you know, Blackthorn's events and payments management applications. And when we're successful in training up our customers, and I'm sorry, our partners, and they're successful in training up our mutual customers, what we tend to find is that referrals sort of come in from themselves. And we can uh, have this sort of repeated success with our partners, which we love to do, and we celebrate openly. Uh, and those partners don't have to be you know, big enterprise partners. They can be small shops, maybe a few consultants, or maybe they're, they don't even have professional services arms to them. They're just, you know, uh, leadership consultants or technology consultants that can help provide advice and services. When we have success with them once, we really want to capitalize on that and ensure that they have the tools and services ready uh, to capitalize on that success again in the future whether it's training courses, whether it's certification programs, whether it's uh, co-implementing with them using some of our, our guided enablement and onboarding tools. We just want to make sure that they're involved and they're happy every day. Uh, that's both the partner and the customer. Let's take a deep dive then into some of these products. Let's start with the payment one first. Can you speak a bit more about how payments work at Blackthorn? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a payment management application that allows you to uh, accept payments at scale, on the go, one-off, or subscription. Uh, we really specialize in working with gateways that are available throughout the world. We have 120-odd-some payment gateways that we can work with, um, but one of our main ones that we we really capitalize on the partnership for, and it's a very deep integration and partnership, is with Stripe. That's where Stripe billing for subscription management, and we have Lightning components inside of Salesforce that you can use to do all of that subscription or membership manipulation, adding, extending, shortening, creating gaps, payment schedules, etc., all of that from within Salesforce, as well as invoicing, receiving, scheduled payments, all of that's built into it, which is really, really cool. We can, we can build upon that with the mobile payments app as well, which is available for field service lightning users and Salesforce mobile users. There, you can use any of the Stripe approved uh, Bluetooth readers for chip and pin uh, for taking credit cards, and you can both create a invoice and accept payment right then and there from uh, your mobile application. You can relate it to opportunities if you need to and have as simple or complicated of a payment processing process, which is a weird way of putting that, but I'm just going to live it, let it live in this podcast now and have all that data natively recorded inside of Salesforce related to the appropriate lead contact or account that you're using. Uh, and the really cool thing about it, and this is true of all of our apps, is that it's data architecture agnostic. So 
If you want to use Sales Cloud or Service Cloud or Nonprofit Cloud, EDA, uh, or maybe you have Experience Cloud or sometimes you don't, we can work with you using Virtual Terminal, using our Lightning Components, PayLink, Document Link. It's all available within the product. Uh, and however you want to architect your Salesforce instance, we can help you accrue those payments and track it within Salesforce with all of your payouts, your dashboards, and your reporting, just using the native tools that are available to you today. I imagine these this kind of functionality is useful not just for nonprofits, but for also for-profits. Yeah. Do you, do you focus on the nonprofit space, or is it open to, to both uh, sides of the coin? So we work with both sides of the coin, both nonprofit and for-profit organizations. We also work with a lot of universities and educational institutions and even health and life sciences organizations, you know, hospital groups, doctors' offices, et cetera. Payments is a really interesting one because every organization needs to accept payments from some sort of customer. And the reason why we built the application the way we did, and by that I mean architecture agnostic, is so that every organization can take payments quickly and simply if they're using Salesforce and get back to the point of their organization, which is focusing on its mission and focusing on its constituents, whether that's members, customers, or donors. Um, and we love doing that day in and day out. You mentioned field service mobile payments, and I tend to notice that uh, most nonprofits don't use field service. So I guess that's kind of where one side of the coin crosses to the other. Yeah, very much. And you sort of hit the nail on the head. Uh, field service lightning is used, at least by our customers, a lot more in the insurance world uh, or you know anywhere that you need to take mobile payments. Uh, usually that's when some sort of consultant or specialist comes out to your house, does an assessment, uh, and presents you with an opportunity to either pay in advance or an installment or a down payment or even the entire thing right then and there uh, from, from that initial meeting. We do see some uh, nonprofits and foundations who maybe take mobile donations or uh, they're at a field event where they do want to be able to take in some sort of revenue. Uh, but you you hit the nail on the head, man. It's mostly on the for-profit side that we do see those mobile payments in use. I wish that Field Service Lightning was a little bit more accessible to nonprofits because it could do a lot of good for those organizations that do work extensively in the field and you know want to capitalize on the goodwill of donors or members or constituents while they have them in their presence. Yeah, quite right. And then you mentioned tax receipts. So selfishly, by being a Canadian, we have different tax receipt requirements, U.S. Mm -hmm. versus Canada. Mm -hmm. Does your tax receipting, is it CRA compliant? So this has come up a lot lately, actually. It's, it's in, interesting and coincidental. Um, so our, we're, we were founded in the United States. Uh, the receipting that we have was initially meant to be compliant for the United States, uh, we can certainly make it CRA compliant. Uh, Canada is a growing market for us. We have a growing number of customers and partners up there. Uh, and we're, we figured out how we can very easily adapt the core product just using point and click configuration and maybe one flow uh, to meet Canadian requirements. 
And that's a really exciting advancement for us because it means that we can take the applications that we've built and really go to market heavily in the great white north, which you know I'm very excited to expand our, our relationship with. The second most popular, if I'm going the same down the same list as you went, uh, the second most popular one would be events then, the events app. So can you speak a bit more about how events work and how do nonprofits use the events app? Oh yeah, absolutely. So the events app is really interesting because it can be anything from a simple meetup or registering volunteers to do a beach cleanup or something like that, all the way through to multi-day, multi-track, you know, speaker sponsor sessions, academic conferences or annual conferences for associations. Uh, all, all of that is built natively on Salesforce. So our entire backend data architecture is built into this, is deployed into the Salesforce environment of our customer, of the nonprofit. And then they can use some of the wizarding tools that we've built, like our event wizard, to create the event that they want. This means that you're not filling out a bunch of different Salesforce records or having to custom build your own visual flows or lightning components to sort of aggregate this data together and make it easier. We built the events tool specifically with nonprofits in mind. In fact, one of our first customers is a big nonprofit association uh, using Salesforce in a multitude of ways. And we've been building it out more and more for our nonprofit customers ever since. And recently, we started adding some new functionality specific to uh, nonprofits, like the ability to accept donations and do upsell or cross-sell products uh, while someone is registering for an event all in a single checkout. So you could register yourself or your entire family to uh, attend an event or a conference or uh, maybe even like a fundraising movie showing, whatever it is that the organization's putting on, and you could make a donation. And let's take that fundraising movie showing example uh, a little bit further, you could also pre-purchase maybe a snack pack uh, for you and the kids along right there in that checkout portion. And then you would then be provided a tax compliant receipt and confirmation of booking for your purchase. Uh, you'd receive what we call our attendee link, which is an email, like an advanced email confirmation with QR codes. So you can be easily checked in. And I'm really excited to say that our event management tool comes with a companion staff application, which you can download into any mobile device. And it's a check-in app. And we're the only native to Salesforce tool, uh, event management tool, with a mobile check-in application for staff and volunteers. So all you have to do is log in using your Salesforce credentials. Uh, and you can either scan that QR code and check people into events and sessions, uh, or you can print off name badges or even register people for the event right there within the app. The goal is to make it super simple, super easy, and help encourage people who maybe have never used Salesforce before, but they love events and they've worked in that space for a long time, uh, to be able to see things that are familiar to them and feel like they don't have to learn the whole of Salesforce to have a successful event or course or conference. Is this for one-time events only, or is it reoccurring events? Could you do it, for example, for a, a classroom type of thing or an auction? Are there any limits? What are the limits, I should say, to the <laughs> events package? Yeah. 
There's no limits. No, I'm joking. If you ever hear somebody tell you that there's no limits on their application, run to the hills as fast as you humanly can. Um, yeah, you can use it for one-off events. You can use it for recurring events. And that can be both on a standard cadence or on a custom cadence if you wanted it to. Uh, you can clone events uh, from over and over again if you'd like to, especially if a lot of details are common between them. So you're not reinventing the wheel every single time you create a new event. Um, there's integrations with a number of webinar and streaming providers built natively into our product. And if it's one that we don't automatically integrate with, all you need to do is copy and paste a URL, a joining URL into the event, and it'll go directly to the attendee as soon as they register. So again, that's sort of unique to us and we're really excited about it. Um, you know, there, you can use it to register people for auctions, register people to attend fundraising events, gala events. You can track uh, tables and seats. You can track hotel blocks, assign staff within Salesforce. And one feature that I'm really excited and it's future facing, so it's not out there yet, but we have some consulting partners that are sort of playing with it, is using the events metadata to the and data. Uh, to push and pull notifications to and from Slack so that if the nonprofit or the association or the foundation is using Slack as a communication tool, either with their staff or with their donors or with their boards, they can easily make information available to them, track that sort of interest conversationally and bring all of that into Salesforce so that you can then extend your use of BI tools like Tableau to measure the impact of the event against the overall goals and impact assessment of your organization. The next app that I'm curious about, and you touched upon it previously, was this compliance app. Mm -hmm. So when you say that if someone, and I can't imagine someone actually doing this, but actually I can't imagine someone doing this, but I can't imagine why, taking a picture of a credit card and then emailing it into Salesforce, like how do you analyze that data to say, oh, this is a credit card, we need to block it out or um, retract it. What is it? Redact it? Yeah, redact uh, it. Yeah. How, how, how does that work? Like, um, How does that work? So there's a little bit of secret sauce that I can't get into. Uh, but effectively, what we're using are Loon algorithms, where you can teach the application to look for patterned data, alphanumerical data, and in context. And then either, like I said, mask or delete it. So redact it or just get it completely outside, out of your CRM before it ever even enters it. Um, one of the really cool ways that it works, though, is it's not just Salesforce records. So you'll see a lot of data compliance applications out there for Salesforce, which say we can look at any record on any object, standard or custom inside your CRM. And they can. And that's super valuable. Our compliance app can do that, too. But what happens to data before it's imported in your CRM? When it's on the way, like an email that's going to be logged, uh, again, as, a, as an activity against a contact, for example, um, and there's data that you should not have in your org inside of that message. Well, we've extended our compliance app to with a tool called Secure Attachment to enable organizations to 
review any of those attachments and the email contents before it's logged as an activity in Salesforce and prevent that harmful or errant data from ever reaching your CRM in a way that could hurt your data compliance or hurt your hurt you as an organization. Uh, you know, stuff that you just shouldn't have in there, like unmasked credit card numbers, social security, student identity numbers, those sorts of things, which are specific to an individual. And really, you shouldn't have available except to those. You can see my dog agrees. Um, <laughs> Uh, stuff that you just basically shouldn't have there when you don't uh, when you don't need it to have there. There's a product called Salesforce Shield, which sounds similar to what you're talking about. Where do the lines cross between this compliance app and Salesforce Shield? Yeah, Shield's great. I I love Shield, but Shield is less about ensuring the compliance of data coming into your org and more about preventing errant access to data that's in your org. And so we can work together. In fact, most of the organizations that have our compliance app also have either one of the tools within the suite that makes Shield or they have um, Shield entirely and they complement one another. So we prevent errant data from entering your org uh, as a poor attachment um, uh, to an email, which is going to get logged as an activity or as data that's written out within a message that's going to enter into the org itself. And in case only very, very, very off chance that something slips past, you can then use Shield to uh, mask it, ensure that only the right people have access to the records where that data even exists, which limits the exposure of that data going forward. So they're really complementary tools. And then in terms of your competitors, we, we touched briefly upon this in the sense that your advantage is your Salesforce native. But what else would you say is the value add of your products versus some other competitors? Well, there's there's multiple real value adds compared to our competitors. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, for payments specifically, we have a really deep integration with Stripe, which is a, a true value add for organizations, especially because of the complementary tools that we can access within Stripe's entire uh, apparatus of, of applications and, and tools that you can build on. So it's not just simple payment processing, invoicing, and receiving. We can utilize Stripe Checkout, uh, which allows you, it allows you to take payments using digital wallets and e-wallets and, you know, uh, really cool regional payment methods like Ideal or Bax and Bex, uh, direct debit uh, from your website, whether you're using sort of a proprietary shopping cart or you're checking out for an event or you're buying a membership or making a donation. And it's the same experience across every platform you're using. Meaning if you've used our events app in a community, you're gonna get that same experience as if you're registering for the event on your website. And then you can also use Stripe billing, which not a lot of uh, applications are integrated with and uh, especially not integrated with. And then you can manipulate, use, uh, through a lightning component inside of Salesforce on any object that you want to add it to your page layout for the records for. 
Um, so that's a true value add here. We're bringing all of these really cool, really powerful payments pieces directly into Salesforce, uh, meaning that your finance team, which may not normally be um, involved in your CRM using it on a daily basis, it sort of brings them into the fold as well. So again, it encourages adoption, it uh, removes a lot of friction, and it ensures that there's updated synced data between your payment processor and your CRM so that all teams within a nonprofit whether it's fundraising, membership, marketing, or your executive team are all reading from the same page. Similarly for events, yes, we're native to Salesforce, which is a huge differentiator for us. But the easy use of our tool is what keeps people buying and what keeps them renewing at the end of the day. Having the event wizard, having uh, registration pages that you can embed anywhere uh, from your CMS to a community to I've seen people iframe it into a mobile application. That's really powerful. And then it builds upon some of the payments tools like using Stripe, uh, Stripe Checkout to give that seamless process using regional and international uh, payment processes to acquire that data and acquire that revenue pretty quickly. Um, and I could go on and on about this, but, and we could talk about different features and functions and what's on the roadmap and, you know, what we've done, what we've learned from, but the biggest differentiator that we have is the simplicity of the tool. That's really important to us, whether it's creating and processing payments and building automation, simply using lightning actions and lightning components, that's powerful. Whether it's point and click tools to build an event, uh, clone over sessions, uh, automate payment processes and know exactly who's gonna be where at what time during a large scale conference and be able to do that easily, that's a huge differentiator for us. And we, I said at the beginning, we build our products with an ethos of if you've looked at, if you have to look at the documentation, we've built it too complicated. And I can't think of too many other product partners of Salesforce that sort of live and die by that exact same ethos that the goal is to be simple and to delight a user of Salesforce. Is there any kind of process you go through to determine whether a nonprofit is a good fit for your products? Like, would there ever be a situation where a nonprofit wouldn't be ready or mm -hmm. is not the, the processes are not in place to be able to accept, you know, some of the benefits that your apps have? How do you qualify basically your, um, your potential customers? Well, one of the most basic things that we do is we have conversations with them. Uh, when we engage, uh, whether our sales team or whether we're meeting somebody at a conference, we're, we're going to ask them questions and we're going to listen. Um, one of the things that we train our success teams on, our, our sales team on, is to limit the amount that they talk during a conversation with a nonprofit, an educational institution, really any prospective customer, to ask them questions uh, about themselves, about their use cases, their pain points, and to take notes on the answers. Realistically, our, my guys and gals who work at Blackthorn will be speaking the least amount <laughs> at the beginning. And then after we've 
had those conversations with you. We've asked you questions like, you know, potential revenue sizes for the year. How much are you taking in in donations? What are your goals for the next uh, few years in terms of technology adoption? Uh, how has your membership base grown or shrunk since the beginning of the pandemic? And how are you looking to uh, change or adapt any processes that you have in place? And after we have these conversations, we'll we'll look back and you know we'll do a little mental math and a little scoring within our system and figure out if we're a right fit, if we're too early, if we're going to be um, competing uh, for business based just on price alone, and someone's not really interested in functionality. And we'll be upfront. I mean, the goal here is not to waste anybody's time. So if you need to disqualify us or we need to disqualify you very quickly, we're going to do that because it's in everyone's benefit. And we don't go down this long march of a process uh, that ultimately ends in heartbreak for, for everyone. Um, so yes, we look at sort of minimum revenue thresholds. We look at staff sizes. We look at whether there's a Salesforce admin or not. Uh, we look at longevity on Salesforce, if there's a consulting partner, technical maturity outside of Salesforce. All of these things are evaluated and weighed as we qualify leads uh, through our system. And then what is the short-term near future plans for Blackthorn? Where would you like to see the company or some of the products and the apps evolve to in the next coming years? Yeah, so we're we're growing year on year as a company, and our our customer base is growing too. In fact, uh, as we're recording this in the middle of May, uh, there we just crossed six hundred customers, which is you know a really big achievement for for any company. Um, but we're really proud of that uh, for our product suite as well. Uh, in the near future, we're expanding upon our existing event base uh, using our product board. So all of our customer requests for enhancements, new features, all of that, uh, whether it's enhancements on receding, uh, there's some enhancements on the lightning components that we have for Stripe billing. Those are all coming out um, in the next few months. We're also building uh, some new applications that are going to be going to market later this year, um, expanding on our virtual and streaming events presence, but also um, expanding upon commerce. And by commerce, I mean the ability to have sort of an e-shop that is native to Salesforce, but doesn't necessarily require experienced cloud, which can be cumbersome and expensive for some nonprofits to maintain over time. Uh, so if you offer CPD or CEU courses for members, maybe they're, you're a professional organization and you have to uh, accredit people year on year or certify them year on year and make sure they have the right number of credits in different categories, you'd be able to buy all of those different courses, check out uh, and ensure that people showed up, they passed their test. Um, and you can have that sort of cohesive shopping cart experience built into your site or experience cloud, whatever you want. And one of the biggest things that I, I, I love about our roadmap going forward is we have really, we've worked our tails off. I'm using tails instead of the word I normally use um, to minimize the amount of technical debt that we have as an organization. 
And we did that so that we can focus on customer needs and then use any patterns for customer needs that exist in our product board to predict what our customers are going to be asking for 18 months or 24 months down the line. And we'll have conversations to validate that that's correct. Uh, everything's built upon that. But at the end of the day, you know, our goal, especially as we move through 2022 and into 2023, is to make our updates and enhancements as focused on customer requested features as possible. And in 2022, ensure that the stability of our products is there for the long haul so that nonprofits and other organizations who have uh, very thankfully, at least thankfully to me, uh, adopted Blackthorn, have the confidence in uh, our products that when they do upgrade and adopt a new feature or maybe another app from our app suite, uh, that they know that the underlying pipes and wires, you know, as it said, uh, are stable and can grow and scale with them and their goals as an organization. Awesome. I wish we had a bit more time. There's still a few questions I didn't get a chance to ask you, but... You're going to have to have me back. I'll have to have you back, I guess. Listen, this has been great. Uh, Where can people find more about you online or more about Blackthorn online? Yeah, so blackthorn.io. That is our website, www.blackthorn.io. You can check out all of our different apps there. Uh, If you go to the app exchange, you can search for Blackthorn Events, Blackthorn Payments, Blackthorn Messaging, and Blackthorn Compliance. We have guided tours as well as free trials uh, for our events application and uh, our messaging application, our compliance application, and we're developing some for our payments as well. And you can find me on LinkedIn. Just search for Matthew Frank. I'm there. I'm super engaged on it. Uh, and please, if you are going to send me a, a connection request on LinkedIn, just know that it, I, I, I'm not interested in you know services. <laughs> that sort of stuff. I'm making a joke. Um, but I'm, I'm really interested in having conversations and making sure that if you are interested in Blackthorn or you're in, if you're interested in nonprofit technologies, that you are getting the most out of the Salesforce ecosystem and ensuring that your organization can succeed uh, using the the really credible technology that's available surrounding this CRM. Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Alex. All right, folks, that's it for today. I'm Alexander Lapa, and I hope you join me again next time for Agents of Nonprofit.